You know when you go to the footy, if I'd ask you where the best seat in the house would be, what would be your response? Would it be centre wing at the MCG? Or would it be in a super box on the third level, just having a few beverages and watching the footy from behind the glass? Well, in my humble opinion, my guest today has had the best seat for around about 150-odd games of football that only two people get to experience every single week. My special guest today is Peter Nastasi, ex-AFL goal umpire, but more importantly, an all-round good bloke. And we're just here to have a bit of a chat about his experiences behind the big sticks and coming in the grand final week, his experience, which led him to probably one of the best experiences in his life. Peter Nastasi, welcome to Lace Out. Chris, thanks for having us on, mate. Much appreciated. That when you When you say that number, 158 games... Yeah, Eleven it's a, it's finals. A that yeah. is a that's a long time in football. Oh look, it, it is a long time when you think about it. It's, it's over ten years, and uh, and it was a long time coming too because we just didn't walk into AFL. You know, like there was your your penance. You had to come through the VFL, and we had to wait for spot come available. I suppose, but uh, it was a long time coming. So it's pretty much like any other football team. You got to do your time in the twos. And yep. then you got to wait for a spot to become available for you to have your shot and then pretty much do the best job I possibly can to then keep yeah. that spot and then see where it goes yeah. from then on. That's, that's the way it is. And, and, like, and in the time that I was coming up, we had some amazing goal umpires on the AFL list, like the Craig Clark, the Colin Hoods, Anthony Blacks. There was, there was a, a number of, uh, of umpires that were of elite level and uh, and look and just to break in it was just it was just difficult you know you had to be at the right place at the right time can i ask you one question though yep did you ever get to wear the white jacket and the white hat on a heritage weekend did you ever get that opportunity just to just to put on the clothes that made our umpires different from any other official in any other sport around the world it's, it's funny you say that because uh, I was towards the, the back end of the jacket in the AFL, but then uh, I always remember one year when the, the Heritage jackets come back in, I was given the jacket for that week and I was told that I wasn't allowed to tailor it because we used to tailor all our jackets yep. to suit. And, and all I remember was that this jacket was two sizes too big, <laughs> too long, and uh, and I just couldn't believe it. I thought, I. I'm just going to make it a, a really easy myself, but uh, but I, I do remember that was the tradition. But it's, look, it was it was an experience. I, I love the era of the uh, the white jackets, but I think with uh, with time and and progressing through, they they made a good move to to go to uh, the shirts and the um, all the pie shirt baseball caps. Oh, was a great move and the beautiful fluoro colours or the the striking red. I even think I saw white on the weekend because of the, the oh, clashes yeah. of the colours. The right? clash of yeah, yeah, that's right. But uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the, the wiggles jumpers. You know, like we had one year, we had one year where we had uh, the four, the four jumper, or the four actual shirt colours. And uh, I always remember I had all my shirts in my uh, cupboard, and because we had two short sleeves and two long sleeves, it meant I had four of the the one colour, which I had four colours, which made it sixteen shirts in the cupboard. And you'd be just sitting back now, what have I got myself into? If anyone opened up that uh-huh. cupboard and they would just look at this, either something and it, was just, it, was just, it was just a, a multitude of, of colours in there and, and just you just had to remember that to read appointments that week to make sure that, that the right shirts went in the bag 
for the right game. Describe what would a week in the life of a, an AFL goal umpire be? And the reason why I ask is that you know, most of the people who listen to this, you know, they've either played footy or they've loved and they've followed footy for years and they know yep. how it normally works is players yep. do their pre-season and then when the season comes along, they train X amount of nights a week, they do yep. their game. And I've had a chat to quite a number of them and goal umpire, even the umpires, you know, you've, you've got your, your razor rays and yep. all the vozos, et cetera, and you get a bit of an encapsulation of what they do. But from a goal yep. umpire, perspective if i asked any man on the street look what do you reckon their week would be like i don't think they'd have a clue look our season basically started a month after green final day because what happens is um you you get a month off part of the afl was uh getting the 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 month off and then basically you were into a pre-season getting ready for for the following year so so basically, we'd spend probably, I'd spend probably two, three nights a week running, but I used to spend a little bit of time in the gym too. So I actually didn't mind my, my gym work. And um, <laughs> I think so, you uh, have a photo up on the podcast page, but if anyone can remember and you're listening to this and you, you can't remember what Peter would look like, Peter would have had the biggest barrel chest of any goal <laughs> in the history of AFL slash VFL football. <laughs> and even the commentators would put, he's sticking out the chest on this one. Yeah, no. You've got to take no, that- your pride in, in appearance. Yeah, look, uh, and I, I think uh, the thing with, with it was that years ago with the umpires, the older umpires, if the, the white jackets, a lot of the umpires were ex-field umpires that got into goal umpiring, but uh, we actually come in as designated goal umpires. So we actually chose that trade, if you want to call it, and come in as, as goal umpires. And uh, I, I think it got to a stage where the professionalism, TV and all that, um, we really had to, to, to look the part. You know, we, we couldn't look like slobs when we got out there so presentation was uh, was a big factor and basically we had to train for it so yeah and then when would you when would you find out what game you'd be allocated Usually it'd be a couple of weeks beforehand. Okay, so, so it's so not just during the, the week. Once, okay, no, no. Once a seat, like I think with fieldies, they don't quote me on this. I might be wrong, but uh, they used to find out probably week to week. We usually found out a couple of weeks uh, in advance, so um, we could actually set up. You know, if, if we had to travel interstate or if we had to do some of that, at least we could set up work and uh, and and be ready for it. But um, a lot of the times, you know, you, you were really thinking about the game before you weren't thinking about two weeks ahead you you know it was all about surviving the next game getting through doing the right job um and then moving on to the next week so yeah and would, and obviously packing your equipment what, what's a standard equipment sort of setup i know people are going to be saying yeah there's flags but how many yep. flags would you take to a um, ground with the setup of uh of flags now it's a it's a two goal flags that's yep. the behind flag and then the the other behind flag that sits where the goal flag sits so okay. they have four flags today actually on the ground so you know when you're umpiring you've actually got the four flags but i used to take like another set because i used to think oh just in case you know somebody forgets them or somebody so i would always carry <laughs> so I'd always carry extra flags in my bag just in case, and uh, and it was just more a preparation and making sure that um, when we got out there as a team, we were all ready to go. You know, like you know, I have to admit that there probably has been people that have forgotten flags, but uh, you know, it's just one of those things. You know, I always try to overcompensate and and bring some extras just in case. Do you remember your yeah. first game, your first AFL game that you were officiating? 
I do. It was in uh, 2002, yep. and I had to wait to – it was the second last round. I had to wait for the second last round yep. because that year there was three of us that come up uh, from the VFL. So the, the number one umpire and the number two umpire, yep. um, they got the games earlier, and then I finished uh, third the year before, and, and I basically had to wait for the, uh, for the second last round to get a game. Was it a phone call? Was it a letter? Was it – one of your idols um, ringing you up? Um, it, was, it was actually a training. So what, what happened was the night that they announced uh, for, the following, for the following week, the coach said, oh, look, you know, there'll be a, an umpire doing his first AFL game next week. So so just uh, it was amongst the, uh, the umpiring fraternity that it was announced and, uh, and that's how I found out. Yeah, I know when, when they do it, when they when the boys are playing footy and they normally do that in front of everybody jumps on each other and they yeah. just, was it in your yeah, case do they all just get the flags out and wave them at you or no 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 it was a bit, bit, bit more calmer than that bit more calmer yeah. than that do you remember who do you remember more... the game itself in terms of who was playing that day um, I think it was Essendon and might have been Freo I think oh so a high quality contest that one uh, yeah, so yeah, but I, I always remember because uh, I had a lot of people that that supported me through through my years of trying to get to the AFL, and yeah. uh, and I always remember it was, it was a funny uh, funny sort of a night uh, during the week. I'd try to scrounge up some tickets because uh, uh, I actually had twenty six people, <laughs> family and friends attend, and my first game. So it was people that. Uh, that had supported me throughout my journey, and uh, and um, it was just fun trying to scrounge up 26 tickets. And I always remember walking out onto the onto the ground and just hearing this row of people. And as I walked to the centre and turned around and looked back, all I remember seeing was uh, uh, my mum, uh, my wife, my kids, and and all my friends in just one one row, one row of uh, of seats, and they were just standing waving to me. So um, that was that to me. That was uh, probably a highlight of, uh, of of my time. You know, when I actually made it to to AFL level. Well, I'm going to ask you about that feeling because when I had a chat to Ted Richards last year, at this yep. this exact same week, Grand Final week, and I asked him, yep. "What do you remember from Grand Final week?" And he said, "It was the pressures and all the media stuff, etc." Oh, and he yeah. said, "Look, no." The hardest thing was the tickets. To get there. The tickets. Every oh, man and, and the tickets. wants tickets. <laughs> I want tickets. I want tickets. Well, that that was that. Look, that is that is one of the things. The tickets was hard because uh, we get allocated the one ticket for for finals, so we get given the one ticket. Yep. And uh, my son was a supporter, so. Um, he basically came to to that game. I always remember him sitting there in the stands, and I, I knew where he was sitting. So I always remember him being the supporter and then, and the person that come to that game. But tickets were hard to come by. So after ninety two games, yeah. and seven finals, it gets announced One that thing. you're you're going to be umpire at the two thousand and eight yep. AFL Grand Final. Yeah. So yeah, look, and uh, and it was funny because. For me, the hardest thing was getting through the year. My hardest game was probably the prelim final because because I knew I was down to the last four people. Okay. So out of out of that out of that, you know, you're down to the last four people. So probably the biggest pressure game that I've ever sort of gone through would have been that prelim, knowing that if I got through 
who knows, you know, I could have been there, but uh, but not getting through, you know that you'd be out. And, and then it was just the, the pressure of getting through there and then finding out, waiting for a phone call on Monday to see whether you were in or out. Which one did you do? Did you do the Hawthorne St Kilda I did the game? Hawthorne you did? Geelong Hawthorne Geelong uh, um, Grand Final Grand Final in 2008 yeah which prelim did you do though did you was it um, was Hawthorne St Kilda or Geelong the prelim I can't remember uh, I think that year it was funny because I travelled all final series so I, I did Perth yep. Perth <gasps> Sydney <laughs> and then Melbourne. So it was, it was a funny sort of a month for me because because I I, I actually spent a lot of time interstate in that in that probably three to four weeks. And if I remember right, it was Sydney. Might have actually might have been Frio. Sydney Frio. I I, I can't remember. It sort of slips in mind, but uh, but I just do remember the travel and just preparing and and trying to get to to get through the three games. I suppose. It's a lot of games to get through, but then you get the, yeah. get the message that you 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 get in the big gig. Still remember that today because uh, I, I remember being at uh, Newport Timber. That's a company in yep. in, in Newport, and uh, and I remember just being in my car getting a phone call, and uh, and I, I was actually had a tear in my eye because you know it's it's something that you you sort of you work to for a lifetime. You know when you think of all the years that you put in, um, you work to you know for a lifetime to to get to this stage. So I was basically in, in tears. And when I come out of the car, uh, a, a couple of the guys asked me straight away. They said, oh, how'd you go with finals? And I said, I just got the phone call now. I'm doing the grand final, you know? And, uh, and they were just sort of wrapped for me, jumping up and down. And uh, so I remember, I remember that, that day. And what about telling your family? Oh, just look, uh, I was on the phone call straight away. And I said to my wife, I said, you're not going to believe it. She goes, how'd you go? And I said, I mean, I got the final, you know, and, and, and look, and it's exciting for everybody because it's it's not only for, for me, but it was for the kids, you know, like kids who go to school and, uh, you know, they, um, they'd be asking, you know, how'd your dad go, yeah? Because a lot of them knew that uh, that I was an umpire yep. at that level and a lot of them would see you and uh, and sometimes it'd be good, sometimes bad, you know, if, if you had a, a problem, oh, your dad had a, <laughs> a blunder on the weekend or... But, uh, it's but, no, no different if you're a player, trust me. <laughs> if you have oh, a good look, one, you know, they, they tell you about it. If you have a bad one, they really oh, tell look, you about I, it. Our one mistake probably is an equivalent of probably a player's ten mistakes, I suppose, because our our one error, you know, like is really sometimes it's just got looked at, and with all the TV and all the coverage and the amount of times they could play over and over and mm. replay and check the angles. So we only we only ever got a split second. We we had no video review back then. It was basically you went out there and it was your ability to be a, a great decision maker within half a second sometimes. A lot of people yeah. are never going to have this experience. So I've got to ask you, what's it like walking out in front of 100,000 people? Yep. Oh, look to at the, the, the MCG on a yeah. absolutely stunning day. Well, now I've got goosebumps just thinking about it. Because I, I remember that day, um, all I remember is walking out with all my mates and uh, and just looking around and thinking, oh my goodness, there's not a seat empty in the house. You sort of walk out, you take it all in, but then it really probably hits you when um, you line up for National Anthem and basically you're, you're facing the, the big stand and all you're doing is you, you, you're looking up and you think there is not one seat free. 
there's a, over 100,000 people here, you know, like, and, and even just thinking about it now, you know, like, I haven't spoken about this in, in years, but even thinking about it now, you know, it's sort of, um, it was an amazing experience, and it was an amazing thing that I, I got the opportunity um, to actually be a part of. And just that raw when oh. the Advance Australia Fair just finishes it off, Amanda Harrison and Lisi Durack are just about to finish off that last part, and you get that bang, the Chris just, and it's, yeah. like I'm getting, yeah, just, I'm getting chills now because I've been to a lot of <laughs> prelim finals and I've been to a couple of grannies and just yeah, there's no oh, look, better it's, feeling. It's, it's an it's amazing, it's an amazing time and it's an amazing sort of uh, um, you know uh, thing that I I had the opportunity to go through and like I said, you know that and um, the finals that I did and. Uh, uh, the Anzac Day game, you know, it's an amazing day, even Anzac Day, uh, just to have been a part of it. You know, like some people just strive to get one one game, and that was my thing always. You know, if I can get one game, that's all I want, one game, and I'm happy to do it for nothing, you know. That's, that was always my 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 thought process. I just wanted to do one game with all the, um, and you say, with all the time and effort that I put into it, um, and, and that's like a lot of the umpires, you know, they put a lot of time and effort. And it's just that that reward to be selected as an AFL umpire. It wasn't just any game. It was one of the – if you go back and look at grand finals that changed the game – and the way it was played. This would be probably yep. the one that changed the way football has sort of gone since then for a number yep. of reasons. But this was a game where a team had lost one game for the season, were going in yeah. red-hot favourites against yep. a club emerging who had gone through some downtimes. A lot of young kids. Of tours, a lot of and young. they had a lot of young kids, but they did have a bit of experience. Yep. Yep. And for you know a half of football, it was a pretty, pretty close game. Oh, look, we, I, I sort of think back over it and I think, you know, until half time, it was actually very close. It was level pegging. Like, it started off, Hawthorne got out to a couple of goals out, two, three goals out. Geelong come back. Um, by half time, it was, uh, it was actually level pegging. I think it was, it was only, uh, you know, within a, a goal or some of that. But, uh, um, I think the thing that stood out, until half time was at uh, Geelong had probably uh, uh, was some bad kicking and uh, their points sort of started yes. uh, telling up a little bit and uh, and like I, I always remember the last kick of uh, half time I think Mooney uh, from about five ten meters out sprayed it and, and Mister uh, Mister Needy changed the goal. Yep, that's exactly um, right. And he even said he tried to overkick it to try and almost make a statement and yeah. flushed yeah. it straight through the points. But yeah, so so that that become like a, a turning point, I think. But uh, but I think the third quarter, like oh. uh, even the third quarter, <laughs> until until the last, I think there was five minutes to go, and it was still pretty close. When Hawthorne, because Hawthorne played this tactic of kicking the ball or trying to rush as many points. That's right. Yeah, going backwards. Going backwards. Now, as yeah. a, as a goal umpire, are you sort of like looking at what's going on and thinking, oh, okay, that's what's happening per se? Yeah, game. it's awareness, or, you know. Or are yeah. you like looking at it going? They're doing something here that I don't think I've seen before. This is actually a tactic that. How well, are you there, doing there was, it? There was there was nothing in the rule book to say that they couldn't do it. 
So, um, so for them, they were sort of probably just buying time. That's the way I saw it. Yep. They were trying to to buy time, and uh, and you know, any any pressure situation when they were, you know, the chance that uh, they could turn over, and uh, they were just walking it through. Yeah, but yeah, you know, that that sort of worked to their um, advantage, I suppose. And and when you look at, at the game, uh, it actually helped them out in in winning that game. Well, you have a look at the final score. Geelong had thirty three scoring shots to twenty five. Yep. But kicked 11 goals, 23 to 18 goals, 7. 18 to 7, yeah. So it was almost, they get the ball, they can control it again and just go from yeah. there. Yeah, and, and it was probably just a reset, you know. It's it probably, um, for them, it was like, let's reset yep. and, uh, and 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 then open up again, you know. Like, I'm, I'm not much, like, I played some footy, but I, I don't really have the, uh, the knowledge of uh, a lot of these guys. But they were just basically trying to reset and then start again, trying to get uh, the slingshots so they could move forward, I suppose. And it worked for them, and it was close. But like it you did. said, there was there was a five-minute burst yep. at your end of the ground yep. where uh, a gentleman by the name of Stuart Jew, that if anybody yep. has not seen the footage, jump onto YouTube and just type in 2008 Stewie Jew Grand Final Highlights and it'll blow the your Jew mind. Show. The Stewie Jew Show. I remember watching this live with me mates and we were just going, he is turning it on. Now, was that your end of the ground? Yeah. Do you remember much from that? Because um, it, it was just a lot, a lot was, of stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff happened uh, up ground too. Like I, I, I found that he did a lot of good things, yeah. but he actually was involved in score assists. Yeah. So, so when you look at it, there was a lot of ground stuff where he he got in and got dirty and, and basically flicked balls yeah. out and, uh, and 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 got runners moving and basically got scores, got goals out of it. So there was a, a, that patch of five minutes, you know, uh, and and he just dominated. I think he kicked two goals himself. He kicked two goals himself. Himself, set two up, yeah. but they were just yeah. it was yeah. raking oh, look, left it was foot, and it was yeah. the crowd yeah. was just going nuts. Yeah, it was, just, it, was, it was amazing. I think a lot of the times, um, with with umpiring, like uh, we, we're too busy trying to concentrate on the game, but but you get times where there's um, things that really sort of you start seeing, you think, oh. He's doing all right, or he's done really well, or wow, he's he's killed. Oh wow, he's got you know another goal. You know, he's, so there there are things that sort of stick in your mind, and uh, and you wonder oh, he's had he's had a really good third quarter, and uh, and until you actually probably go back over uh, tapes or you go back over actual footage of it, you actually don't realise it how how dominant he really he really was. I know you're on job and you're on point and you're there to do yep. a job, etc. But do you yep. get it? Do you get an opportunity? And not just that day, but you know, normal games. Get an opportunity just to watch it. Yeah, look, because um, yeah. you're so on point, look, trying to remember everything. Look, like, there, there are things. There are things in games that that stand out. You yeah. know, like it's, it's it's funny you say that. Like a lot of the times, there are things that don't. You know, a lot of the game doesn't stand out. But then there there'll be some things. That, that do stand there like a big mark in the goal square or um, something that there are things, but um, a, a lot of times you just have to, it's more about the concentration, you know, and, it, and it's strange to say we used to block out a lot of things and uh, and sometimes you'd be concentrating on a game and you'd hear some funny remark in the crowd and you think, <laughs> oh, that was funny. That was what I was about to ask. You would have heard some absolute <laughs> zingers over the years. Oh, look. Some crackers, you know. Like I, I've heard a lot of bad things, you know. Like a, a lot of, uh, 
vulgar things come off. Yeah. But uh, but then there's a lot of things, you know, like a, a lot of comments to players, and you think, oh, that was quite <laughs> funny. Yeah. But it's just one of those things, you know, like as as crowds, we need to be mindful that uh, that players and 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 umpires do have feelings also. So so a lot of the times when when it, it gets you know pretty bad, we. Yeah, and, and disrespectful, yeah. So we, we need to be mindful that they are human, also that that they are um, people, and you know, and don't want to be sort of uh, spoken in in that way. I suppose. Yeah, I don't. I think there's. I think there's a fine line between you know having a bit of banter at the footy and taking it. Where yeah. it, it gets a disrespect. Exactly. Disrespect yeah, a bit of banter is okay. A bit of fun, but you know, then there are things that uh, it just goes over the top. Well, you think you know that. That's quite untasteful. Well, from a banter perspective, was there any players that didn't mind having a bit of a chat to you, or are they all, you know, they're all business? Because it seems to be oh. that the, the larrikin footballer, to a degree, doesn't exist anymore. But was there any of them that would just? Yeah, no, look, a lot, a lot of them, like they didn't talk to me much. To be honest, like a lot of the times when they backed up into the uh, into the goal square, it was more they they were coming into my area, and I probably just put my hand on their their back, and I'd just say, "Look, I'm just behind you." That was a lot of things. A lot of the times they didn't really say much to us. Yeah. Uh, the only times that they would talk to you is they thought you you've made an error or some of that. But that was some of the things I always remember. Some of the bigger players that used to tower over me, like the Frio, is it Sand Sandland? Oh, Yep, yep. Yeah, I always remember these guys towering over because I'm only uh, a 165 centimetre, so I'm only I'm only five foot uh, five six maybe, five, and uh, so I wasn't I wasn't a very I wasn't gifted uh, <laughs> uh, with with height, but uh, these guys are what over 212. I'm just picturing a guy 60 centimetres taller than you standing right next to you right now. Yeah. Yeah. And most forwards being of the six, six foot five plus. Well, six foot, uh, at least six foot now. Like, yeah. uh, I think it's just a normal player now is uh, uh, six foot plus. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got, you've got 195 centimetre or 190 plus centimetre on ballers yeah. now. It's out of control. Yeah. It is out it's of control. It's out of control. You mentioned technology and the, the side of things have changed from, from when you yeah. finished even to now. We've got we've got the arc, we've got the score review, et cetera. Yeah. Your yeah. your opinion on these sort of things is it, is it made the game harder in a way because like you said you are such a you are under that you rely you're relying now on uh, on on that I, I, look I'm I, I don't know how the AFL works and how but uh, I think now because they've got their tech that technology, a lot of the umpires now probably have to go to um, to that video. If you're not sure, or, or even if you're sure sometimes, or something's really close, yep. um, they would probably expect you to go to go to it now since it's there. It has made it easier in one way, but you still got to you still got to get out there and, and umpire. Like uh, yeah, even though you've got the you know, the third umpire, you have to say. I believe it's a goal. So you have to give what you believe it is. Yep. And then it's up to um, what they see on the TV. And, and they come back to you and they say, oh, no, it's a behind. Or no, it's a goal. Um, we're not sure. Uh, it's umpire's decision, you know. So then you so you, you have to basically give it. It's, it's, it's made it easier, but they still have to be out there umpiring. You know, you still got to be switched on. 
yeah. still got to be, you know, at a hundred percent because you know if you're at ninety percent and something goes wrong and you're not switched on, that's where things go the wrong way, I suppose. And it's all it sort of seems like the umpires almost don't want to make a decision on the really close ones at times yeah. because of what yeah. you said. They don't want to be caught out from the yeah. footage. And that's the thing. The, the speed of it happening in, in real life, like a ball oh, you, shaving the post so quickly. Yeah. or getting touched off the boot, whatever, it happens that quickly. And I don't. Yeah. I think that's where the technology is there not, to, to help, yeah. But it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't help the umpire. All the time. It doesn't, yeah, because yeah. of course you've got more cameras around the ground and they can yeah. zoom in, et cetera. I don't know. I don't know how far you can go with it because the footage, to a degree, isn't perfect. I don't think it's ever going yeah. to be perfect because of the speed of the game, the size, well, look, of and you, everything. Yeah, and, and you need and you need cameras in every angle to you know, like you. You have to be set up like um, your, your camera technology has to be at its best to to get you the best results. You know, so you're going to need the best TVs. You're going to need the best uh, HD where they can zoom in and out. You know, um, they're, they're working towards it. I, I think. You know, like looking at it from uh, an ex-umpire, I suppose. It's, it's just one of those things, you know, it, it will get better in, in time, but it's, it's, it's teething, yeah. In 2008, I did the um, State of Origin also in that year, and Channel 10 said, oh, we're going to bring out this technology that it's going to be groundbreaking. And uh, and what it was, it was a, uh, a twin battery pack. Yep. So if you ever get a chance to go to footage from the 2008 uh, State of Origin game, you, you'll be surprised at what we had to wear that day. And it was supposed to be groundbreaking that day. And we had like a little parrot on our shoulder. Oh, it was no. like a camera yep. on our shoulder. And, but that didn't work, you know. So I think... <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> Yeah, so so yeah, I think a few times when when it, they come on, uh, the parrot was looking at the ground or some of that. You know, it wasn't so. You know, I think over the years it, it has come a long way, but it's some that they they're going to improve over time. And 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 basically by trialing things, I, I think the the media have just got to get off the bandwagon. They've got to realise that this is something that they're trialling always to make footy better. But should they be trialling it during the season, though? That's the thing. And I think that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's, it's a lot of, look, I don't know what goes in, you know, there must be a lot of work that goes behind the scenes and that, you know, and, and they should trial things. And but I think sometimes, you know, they bring things out and they have ideas and I think, oh, yeah, mate, this might work, but I don't know. They, they, they set it all up. We, we just have to, I know that when we just had to go with the flow and yep. we, and if we had uh, the earpieces, we had to work with that. If we had cameras on our hats, we had to work with that. Yep. So. We just work with that, and at the end of the day, let's get the score right. Like my my motto to it was: uh, first thing, let's get the score right. Let's get the score right because well, that, that was the most important thing. And then let's get in the right position to get the score right. And yeah, you know, and and there was just things that I would work through from game to game just to get me through through my game. Yeah, and look, you're right. No matter what technology they bring in, no matter what different yeah. camera angle just get the score right and that's yeah. it's, it's a, it's a lot harder said than yeah. done with the way that the speed of the game is now exactly you are now also a life member of the afl umpires association 
Hey, yep, yep. So congr- yes. congratulations for that as well too. I had a bit of a look online when I was doing a bit of research for this. You've got a beautiful <laughs> character, character that they gave you. Yes, yes. I think it was your. Where's Where's that pride? Well, that- um, my son, uh, I've got, we've got a gym set up at home. Yep. We've actually got a uh, a gym set up at home, and uh, I actually have my first shirt that I umpired in. Yep. I have my grand final shirt nice. next to it. And then I've got some photos from grand final. Um, I've got uh, when the four shirts come in, yeah, the white, yep. the yellow, the orange, and the red. I actually framed all that because to me, I thought that that would be, uh, that's history, you know, like we've gone from a white jacket yep. and we've come to this. So I've actually got a, a, a section in my gym where I've got all my all my frames and that up and, and that's where that character uh, of me is, is sitting there. there. As well. Now, we've, yeah. we've covered quite a bit today, but I, 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 there's one highlight. I don't know if anything means is more. Like we've spoken about the grand final, your first game. Your the the time you get the the call for the AFL grand final, walking out the national yep. anthem, all that sort of stuff. Yep. But can anything top what happened to you in two thousand and twelve, when you were number fifty three? Yeah. In the <laughs> AFL umpire footy cards. <laughs> uh, I still can't flake for that. <laughs> Uh, because um, yeah, it's funny we talk about footy cards. <laughs> have you got? <laughs> because, have you got um, it? I, I've actually got um, a few kits. There's a, a few kits that come out. So there was a few years where I was actually in the footy cards, but nice. uh, but it's it's funny we talk about that because uh, a lot of people give me flack. They say you're only an umpire. Why would you want to be on a footy card? You know, <laughs> it's only. It's only footy players that have to be on footy cards. They often say, you know, was was your son down? Was your son at school flogging off signed signed photos of my dad? Oh, what look, does he play for? No, he's an umpire. He's an umpire. Yeah, look, <laughs> I, I don't think I, I I did offload a couple. I remember <laughs> one. I did. I do remember one year uh, um, the AFLUA made us go in and we had to sign ten cards. Oh. So we had personally signed 10 cards yep. and they were going to be a special edition to people could buy them. But that, it was it was quite funny, you know, like it was quite funny. My kids still laugh at it because uh, um, they said, oh, Dad, you know, you're only an umpire. <laughs> Why you got footy cards? No doubt after this goes live, eBay will be flooded. We think oh, I was looking for. So, card number fifty three is the one that you're looking uh, for for Peter Nastasi. Well, it, it was, it's funny that because because uh, I've been out of footy for a long time. I I got I got a uh, an, an, a text message from a uh, an umpire that's still umpiring yep. on the AFL list, and he said, "Oh, he said, Pete, do you know that they've bought a T-shirt out of you?" And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "He said, yeah, there's a company that's bought a T-shirt." I said, "I know all about it because." Because they used to call me Barrel Boy. Yeah, yes. They uh, they made a T-shirt of Barrel Boy. So people still get a laugh out. I'm, I've been out of it for a few years, and uh, it's just funny to, to see that uh, people are still getting a, a, a kick out of it, I suppose. Oh, isn't that good, though? And you're the type of guy that probably have a bit of a laugh at yourself. Some people probably oh. wouldn't be like that. I think you've got no, a bit of a I... laugh at yourself. It's kind of cool. No, look, to be honest, I, I love me footy, and... <laughs> I heard many names, you know, like growing up at school and uh, 
Um, and, and look, at the end of the day, it was I, I was always a try. Like I was never the best at at, at things, but um, I always put in a lot of effort to try and get to 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 somewhere to to you know to have some fond memories of it. I suppose I've just found it. I've just found I've it? just found it. Well, there's a picture of you <laughs> in your lovely red your lovely red outfit. But yes, yeah, so I have heard of the Barrel Boy T-shirt. Yeah. I might have to, might have so, to get one. I might have to get myself a double <laughs> And now, what are you doing with yourself now? Because obviously, footy season cancelled for the 2020 yep. season. Hopefully, yeah. 2021 takes off. Obviously, yeah. not being uh, able to get around to the footy. What takes your see, interest as well? See, my son, um, my son was a, a player. He played at. Uh, he came up through juniors and yep. played at the Jets and uh, played at Willie in the VFL. Yep. So I followed him around for uh, for many years after I finished umpiring uh, in the V. I went back to the VFL in 2013, yep. and I had a couple of years there, uh, 2014. So I then followed Charlie around um, uh, while he was playing. Just put more time into him because, like, uh, even though I, uh, I I followed him around when I was umpiring, I just had more time. And then he went back to, to local footy. So I went back to the Western region last year and umpired, I filled umpired. Yeah. Um, so I was just doing, nice. uh, yeah, I was just doing rever- reserves, A1 uh, reserve division, but um, the body the body sort of uh, only lasted uh, uh, probably four or five months. And by about round 10, I was done because I had plantar fasciitis on the, on, on my foot. So I was basically cooked, couldn't do anything. So, yeah, but, uh, but I, I still try and keep involved. I'll, I'll try and get fit again over this summer yep. and then try and back up again next year. Try and, uh, I, I still love my footy. So, uh, I'll, I'll try and probably get back to either Western region. I'll see where my son's playing footy next year. And, uh, and then I'll get back to one of the comps and, uh, and just, uh, umpiring in a, in a sort of you know, a lower grade, I suppose. But you also love uh, a bit of bike riding too. We're having a bit of a chat about as well. I do. Yeah, look, I, I clock up a few Ks. Um, I actually started riding, it was about four years ago. Um, friends of mine had been bugging me, you know, oh, you finished footy, you know, let's get riding. And then it was funny, the year that I started riding, they organised a trip to Sicily. So that's my my hometown where, you know, family uh, come from. We did a tour of Sicily over 10 days. We, we rode over probably 700 Ks. And uh, so I've, I've basically enjoyed the, uh, the experience. So we try and get as many rides in as we can. Um, hopefully now with the the summer coming up, we uh, get a few more few more rides in, and and hopefully Mr. Mr. Andrews uh, lets us out of uh, of lockdown. So fingers crossed. Fingers, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers yes. crossed. Um, <laughs> last thing before last thing I want to ask you, uh, we had the Brownlow Medal. Lockie Neal won it. Blitz. Congratulations, absolute yes. superstar. Oh, when, yes. At the end of a game, when the umpires get together, is it, is it all the umpires, or is it just the field umpires no. that have that impact? Basically, we're we're in another room, and uh, we don't make it our business to hear vote. There shouldn't be any reason for us to to, to know who who the brand loads are going to go to, or or the votes are going to go to. You know, um, uh, uh, the umpiring fraternity is too professional to be getting into any sort of uh, you know thing like that. Where um, people think that. Yeah, we know, but we, we don't. We don't know anything. We just basically in a room, we get changed, we do all that paperwork. Yep. We walk out. Um, the four umpires, because you've got three field that umpire the game, and then you've got the one emerging. 
and they basically go through the, the system. And I think they get a lot of input probably from the emergency umpire because he's actually watching the game. And, uh, you know, he, he'd be uh, probably a main main uh, contributor to to um, the votes. He's actually not officiating the game, but he's watching the game. So he'd have some input in, into that, I suppose. So basically what you're saying is that there's not many AFL field umpires driving around in new Mercedes or um, no, not BMWs really. once Brownlow medal count is fined and finished. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's, <laughs> no, look, look they're, they're a lot of a lot of um, like we're, we're not professional. Yeah, we weren't professional umpires. Like we all had a day job, and uh, we all did that, and then we went to that. So, so you, you worked five days a week, and then you basically trained two, three nights a week. You had your game, so. So it wasn't. It's it's not a professional uh, role, yep. even though it's it's supposed to be professional. Yeah, you know, we all have other jobs to go to. So yeah, yeah. And one last yeah. question I have to ask you. Yeah. Ray Chamberlain. Chamberlain. Is he is he is he a flog or is he an all right bloke? No, he's a lovely guy. <laughs> I um I I've known him for many years. I remember. I actually remember going to Lavington with him. Um, when we were in the VFL, we were actually coming yep. up through the reef. So, so I always remember driving to to, um, to Lavington, and yep. I, I think it might have been the Kangaroos game, and, and they were playing somebody else. And, and all I remember is that he just didn't stop talking all the way there, and then all the way back. And I thought, my goodness, this guy is just... He's just on some sort of everybody actually, I He doesn't stop talking during the game either. I know, I know, but he, he's a top guy. I have to admit, in my years of umpiring, I made an amazing uh, group of friends. And and look, yeah, everybody is different. You know, God God made everybody different. And 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 Chavo is just a character. He's just a, a, a character, I suppose. But um, he is what he is, and he's a. a Nice guy. And now you mentioned it with work, etc. Thank you for clearing that up. I don't know if it's going to change many people's opinions, but yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Now, what's taken up with your day? Obviously, with what's what happens between the nine to five for for Peter Nastasi, what uh, what takes up your your hours during the week? Well, um, I'm a tradie. I, I actually I do bathroom renovations. Oh, beauty! So, so I um, many years back as a young kid when I got out of school, uh, uh, I met my lovely wife Georgia, and uh, um, and uh, I worked with my father and my late father. He passed away just recently, but uh, um, worked as a bricklayer. It's it funny we be talking about that because. Uh, um, I did some work for your dad. Yes, you did. Quite a number <laughs> of years ago. And it's, still, number, and it's still held up quite well. It's I must still admit. there. But uh, but it was funny because uh, that was in my early years. And uh, and I worked as a brickie. And uh, like I said, we did work for your dad. But, but I then got out of it. I did something else. But then when I got back into umpiring, I got on the AFL list. I, I really I, I take pride in in what I do and uh, and I like seeing a project and, and people enjoying you know what they get so yep. so I basically just got into bathrooms I was just uh, um, just did bathrooms you know and, and I reckon probably the last eight to ten years well, that's all I've, I've been doing I do other small jobs where I'll do like some pergolas or, or you know I'll, I do paving but um, I've, I've tended to, to sort of go more towards the uh, uh, the, the bathroom innovation uh, part of it. 
Oh, awesome. What's your business name? Because obviously there's going to be listeners out here that, you know, may need to get the bathroom <laughs> done. What should we give a bit of, give yourself a bit of a plug? Oh, look, I call it Total Upkeep Maintenance Service. Total Upkeep Maintenance Service. Awesome. I will say one thing, though. Every time I go past mum and dad's and he takes us through the, the flower beds, et cetera, he says, hey, uh, Chris, do you know who uh, who laid the bricks on this? <laughs> yeah, uh, AFL goal umpire, Peter Nastasi. Drops it oh, left, look, right, and centre. He's very, very proud of you, and I'm, I'm massively thankful for the time that you've given me tonight. Nah, to look, have a bit of a chat, like just said, reminisce about just your career, but also something that not many people, I think, have have a bit of insight to. And you've been absolutely yeah. sensational. And I appreciate your time. Much, tonight. much appreciate. And, and like I said, we're we're all human. Even though, even though we may be umpires, and people think of us. Uh, uh, a bit differently. We actually are human, and uh, and we we do have some sort of a uh, um, a personality. And the thing is that we're we're all different in some way or another. But uh, you know, we're all out there trying to do our best for the great game, I suppose. Awesome. Now, I appreciate your time. Like I said, Pete, have a and um, who is taking out the big game this week? Richmond oh, look, or Geelong? Deep down in your loins, who do you think is going to be holding up the cup? Deep, the deep down. I'm a Tiger supporter. <laughs> so so I, I waited so many years for them to get the one after 1980. They got one in 2017, and I still thought there was no way they were going to win that one. And then even last year, I thought, oh, GWS will, will come good, and, and they, they smashed them last year. And But Geelong are a great team, I have to admit, like uh, – you know, um, through the years that I was umpiring, I remember them giving Richmond a, a good shellacking over a few games. And look, on the day, any, anyone can win. Like I said, as long as we get good footy and uh, and um, and it's a great spectacle for for the supporters. But uh, but I'm a Tiger man, so I have to go. I have to go Tigers. Oh, all right, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. <laughs> look, um, wonderful. Thanks very, very, very much. Um, like I said. All the best with with your career moving forward. Like I said, listeners out there, you can't meet a nicer bloke. He is an absolute superstar, and I appreciate everything you've done tonight for joining us uh, in our chat with series on Lace Out. Yeah, now look, I'd like to thank you for giving me the opportunity just to reminisce and uh, and just to give people a bit of an insight of uh, of um, of what umpiring is all about. Hopefully, uh, um, it. Shows people what what it's all about, anyway. Nah, appreciate everything, Pete. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to our latest episode. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. I'm your host, Chris Pepper, and with Jamie Wallace, we give you your footy how you want it. Ice out.